What's an educated mama? Hello, I'm Ryan Jordan, and welcome to The Educated Mama. During this podcast, we will learn from experts, entrepreneurs, creators, and leaders who are also mothers responsible for all the things. Let's celebrate women, learn a few mom hacks, and discuss the beautiful mess of motherhood. We're all learning together, right? Today's guest is Dr. Tanya Altman, who is also a best-selling author, network television parenting expert, and American Academy of Pediatrics spokesperson and founder of Calabasas Pediatrics. She has been quoted in hundreds of periodicals, including Newsweek, USA Today, Los Angeles Times, People, and Parents Magazine. Dr. Tanya Altman completed her internship and residency at UCLA, and she is the proud mother of three boys. Today, we will be talking about COVID, vaccines, going back to school, and new CDC guidelines. Let's meet our guest. Hi, Tanya. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I was just thinking about where we met. I mean, I think it was, gosh, maybe four or five years ago, and we were speaking on a panel together. Yes, that's right. I do remember that, although I feel like I've known you forever. And thank you for helping take care of so many of my families and my practice as well. You are so welcome. I feel like there's so much that you offer to your patients. And, you know, you were such a gift to have in my life after my daughter had her febrile seizure. You were one of the first people that reached out to me and you were super mindful about the way that you communicated with me through a traumatic experience. So I'm truly grateful. Thank you. And how's your daughter doing now? She's great. Thank you for asking. So I have a question for you. Let's talk about the COVID vaccine. Currently, there are three different choices available. And I'm just wondering, is there one that you would recommend over the other? You know, that's a great question. And I think we are so fortunate to have three safe and effective vaccines. The Pfizer vaccine is approved for age 16 and up. Moderna and Johnson & Johnson are 18 years and older. Although all three companies are currently doing trials now with kids 12 and up and starting to enroll age five and up. So so this is great news. Um, You know, which shot is best? Um, You know, I guess to quote Dr. Fauci, it's the one that you can get in your arm, right? I mean, my husband has not yet gotten vaccinated and I wouldn't feel comfortable giving him any of those vaccines. So I think really um, the goal is to just, when it's your turn, go get a vaccine. And I got the Pfizer vaccine because that simply was the one that my hospital was offering. And initially I didn't want to take it from a doctor who worked in an ICU or a nurse who worked in the ER, but the hospital called and said, we have to get all the doctors in, in the next two weeks, please come. Can you come tonight? And I went. And so I actually did get the vaccine the second week that it was being offered here in Los Angeles. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, But that said, you know, I often forget that I am now protected against COVID-19 because I still wear my mask. I still distance. I still do all the public health measures that we've been talking about for the last year to prevent transmission of COVID-19. Well, that's a great point that you bring up because I was reading the new CDC guidelines and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read that if you are vaccinated, You can be indoors with your family without your mask. Can you tell me more about that? 
Sure. So yes, the new CDC guidelines for fully vaccinated people. And what that means is at least two weeks after your second Moderna or Pfizer vaccine, or at least two weeks after your single dose J&J vaccine, you are considered protected. And there, there is some leeway now. So you can be unmasked indoors, not only with your family, because house, households have always been allowed to gather together, like, right? So I haven't worn masks in the past around my kids unless there was an instance where one of us was exposed and we were, you know, worried about it. Um, but actually the new guidance is that, let's say grandparents who are vaccinated can come to their grandchildren's house and be indoors with them, even if the grandkids aren't vaccinated. So if you have immune people, they can be in a house with unvaccinated people if it's one household, or if there are two households of vaccinated people. So for instance, if I wanted to hang out indoors with one of my doctor friends who's vaccinated, I could do that. Maybe I should do that. I feel like I need a break. But yes, yeah, so, so those are sort of the new CDC guidelines. Now it's interesting. A lot of people said, well, what about travel? Um, because the CDC guidelines also addressed quarantine. That was the other thing is you don't have to quarantine if you're exposed, but they didn't yet say that you could travel. And if you think about it, my biggest concern with travel is being exposed. So if you don't have to quarantine after exposure, why do you have to quarantine after travel? Well, I think the CDC is just being cautious right now and waiting for more data. The other thing is that, you know, Everybody is being so great waiting patiently for the vaccine. We don't really want to have haves and have nots in terms of rules right now. And in another month or so, all adults throughout our country will be able to be vaccinated. And I think that's when you will start seeing these rules. Like if you're vaccinated, you can travel. If you're vaccinated, you can go to an amusement park. Um, but the next month is going to be a little tricky because we want um, we really want to encourage people to get vaccinated. But we also want to encourage people to wait their turn and let those who are more vulnerable and it's their turn to get the vaccine first. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for the last two months, there's, there's been a lot of talk in my community, at least with owning educated nannies. The number one call I was getting from parents and nannies was do, you know, child care workers fall into this next tier. And, you know, public health officials have been saying for the last month or so that no, they do not. This is only for child care workers in facilities or if you have a pay stub or if you have a paycheck. Have you been getting a lot of questions about that as well? And will this tier change? And when will child care workers be able to, such as nannies and homeschool teachers and private educators be able to get this vaccine? That's a really good question. And my nanny also has not yet gotten vaccinated. Um, so you're right. Educators, teachers, childcare providers that work in facilities like preschools can get vaccinated. And um, for a while, it was a little unclear if a um, child care provider came from an agency such as yours, that they get vaccinated. But it clearly does say on the website, nannies and teachers who work in at-home pods are not yet, um, it, they're not yet in the correct tier to be vaccinated. It's not yet their turn. Now that said, starting on March 15th, there are going to be new guidelines, right, that include um, adults who are high risk. So if any of those people have a heart condition or another condition, where their doctor feels they are at high risk, they may be able to be vaccinated. Um, also, if any of these um, nannies or health or um, care providers are of a certain age, right now it's still 65 and up, but that may come down, then they will be able to get vaccinated. But what I've been telling people is that I know it seems like it's so hard to wait patiently when you know people getting vaccinated and when COVID is so scary, right? I mean, we've had so many people that have you know died and ended up in the hospital with it. But I do feel that um, sometime in May, you will see that everyone who wants a vaccine will have had a vaccine by the end of May. So I keep telling my husband and everybody else, just be patient. It's going to happen in a month or two. 
it's okay. In the meantime, the good news is that we know how to protect against COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. This virus has been around for a year now. We know exactly how it's transmitted. We know exactly how to prevent it. We know that if you wear masks, if you distance, and you do all the other things, the chance of you catching it is extremely low. Great. That's good to hear. And I'm, I'm just hoping, you know, everybody is waiting patiently to get their vaccine. So hopefully that will happen really soon for, you know, a multitude of communities. Um, so let's talk about spring break. That's coming up. You know, I've heard people whisper and say, oh my goodness, are we going to have another crazy spike like we did at Christmas and people won't be able to get even tested because everything will be booked up for five days in advance. Are, what is what is that feeling around spring break? Are we as nervous as when it was the holiday vacations and everybody was jet setting to Cabo and Hawaii? Or is it be, or should we feel less fear because more people are vaccinated now? So that's um, that's a really good point. And, you know, I consult for schools all across the country and we had a pandemic briefing this morning and that was one of the hot topics, right? Spring break and what's going to happen. So the CDC officially is still not recommending non-essential travel. Now that said, we know plenty of people want to travel and they will, right? So what do I recommend? Um, you know, I think travel is still risky. That said, I think we are in a really good place in Southern California in terms of our COVID cases going down. I really don't think we are going to see a big spike after spring break because we have a large percentage of people who either already had COVID-19 and have antibodies or who have been vaccinated, right, and are protected. And so that is sort of forming a little bit of a protective bubble around a lot of us. That said, I am seeing more cases now in local families because, and um, I don't want to call out anyone, but usually parents are now thinking, gosh, the numbers are down. I haven't seen anyone. I'm going to go hang out with friends. And then the parents unknowingly give it to the kids. The kids unknowingly have it. They get diagnosed when they're tested at school and the class is quarantined. And so I have been doing a lot of education now with parents saying, please, we're in the home stretch. You have to monitor your own behavior because it's not only yourself that's at risk, it's your kids, but it's also my kids are in the classroom with your kids. And I'm not that worried about my kids catching COVID because I know that the schools are doing everything right, but I don't want them to be quarantined when they've only been back at school for four days. And that's what happened to my kindergartner. Four days in school, home quarantining. So please, please, please wait a few more months to go on vacation and please be careful and don't let your guard down because that's when you're going to catch COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So I know that most parents right now have choices, right? Some private schools have gone back. I know LAUSD has made their big decision to go back in April and some people will be in school. Some people will be, you know, doing virtual learning still. Right now, as a parent, let's just say I have the opportunity to send my child back to school in April. What would you recommend? So I talk to every family in my practice about this, and it's really an individual decision that depends on the family. Do you have anyone high risk in your home? What school does your child go to and what are the mitigation strategies that they have in place? You know, is your school testing? Um, what else is your school doing? In most cases though, right now, I do think kids should be back in school. They've been home for so long, they need it. So my advice now to my families is much different than it was in January, right? When our numbers were so high and I was so worried. So there are very few cases right now um, where I would say, you know what, let's just stay home for the rest of the year and see how this plays out. Some cases might be you have a newborn in your house or the parent is at super high risk and hasn't gotten vaccinated yet, or a child who's on chemotherapy. But the majority of my patients I do feel should be back in school. And most of the schools that I'm working with 
are doing a great job at making sure the desks are apart and the kids are masked and there's plexi barriers and they're testing once or twice a week so we can pick up these cases before the kids you know could potentially transmit it in class um, teachers are getting vaccinated teachers are being tested as well so there's so many things that we've been working on you know over the last year and it's great that now la is letting us put these things into place because <laughs> you know i think we could have done it in the fall as well um, i admit january we needed to be home i get it and I wish we could make up for that time lost last fall, but now's the time we need to get schools open. Our kids need to go back to school. Great. I just got an email from my son to play youth baseball. Now my son loves baseball. And so immediately I want to say, yes, let's put him in baseball and let's put him in youth sports. What are your thoughts about that? So my sixth grader got an email about um, baseball and soccer, and I said no to both. And the reason was, and I think they're doing a great job, is that for my family, I wanted to prioritize him being in person in kindergarten. Now, I have some patients where, you know, for their child, baseball is their life, and they've been looking forward to it all year, and their school is only doing this couple hours a week hybrid. And so for them, that's the activity that their child needs to do. But I want everybody to understand that every additional activity you put in place is another chance for your child to be exposed. And again, it may not be as much about them catching COVID, but then they have to quarantine. So I didn't want to get that email that my child was exposed in baseball or soccer and now he missed school for a week or two. So that was one of the reasons why I chose to say, you know what, he's only six, let's wait. Now my teenagers, because I have three boys, they're 15, 13, and six. My 15 year old is running cross country, great distance sport. My 13 year old is swimming, another great distance sport. And they've been doing that pretty much all the way through COVID because it's been allowed. Um, so again, it's really a family decision, but I would try to prioritize a few activities and that could be school or it could be something else or it could be both that you really think are most important because if you try to do too many, you are gonna end up not only quarantining yourself from all those, but potentially the other people as well. This is such great tips. I mean, these questions come at me left and right and I'm like, Oh, I have a call with Dr. Tanya. I'll figure this out. We'll figure this out, you know? And then I just tell people all the time, talk to your pediatrician too, you know, because that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, you want to talk to somebody that you can trust. So my last question around this is that when and if do you ever see us going back to a quote unquote normal time where children are not wearing masks? How long do you think before that will happen? That's a really good question. So I'm getting asked a lot about the fall and school right now, and I don't have a crystal ball, but let's assume that all adults are vaccinated that want to be vaccinated by the fall, and most high schoolers, you know, over 16 are vaccinated as well. You know, I think that is going to really decrease the numbers. So we may not need to vaccinate the little kids right away to reach herd immunity because the kids aren't catching COVID-19 at school. They're catching it from their parents and their teenage siblings, right? So although I do want the younger kids to be vaccinated and they probably will next year, so 2022, um, I think we are going to be able to get a little bit more back to normal before they even get their vaccines. Now, does that mean we'll be getting rid of masks? I don't know. I mean, it might mean that they don't need masks outdoors. It might mean they don't need them when they're six to eight feet apart. But if the desks are going to be four feet apart at school, they do need a mask. If it's winter season, they might need masks. You know, masks actually might be something that we use now every cold and flu season like they do in other countries, because look at how well it worked 
There is no flu in the United States right now because of masking, because of hand washing, because of everything we've been doing, you know, to really decrease the numbers of COVID-19. Pediatricians are not seeing very many illnesses this winter. So, you know, there could be times, um, for instance, I work with a handful of schools in LA um, and some of these schools are independent schools where it used to be before COVID, the kids would get out of the car in the morning or go up the, the stairs and shake the teacher or headmaster's hand. And every year, as I started seeing flu, I would call all those schools and say, it's time now to hold off on handshaking. It's cold and flu season. So it might be the same thing where we see the numbers going up and I call the schools and I say, it's time to recommend wearing masks. Um, you know, and so I don't really know what's going to happen. Um, I think COVID is still going to be around um, for a while, but it might just be like another cold, you know, in the kids. And we're not trying to prevent colds. We're trying to prevent hospitalizations and deaths. Mm -hmm. So colds may be okay. We might be able to live with colds in the kids. Mm -hmm. um, with the COVID vaccine, is it going to be like the flu vaccine, something that you get annually? So we don't know yet. Now it looks like the COVID vaccine, the antibodies um, are probably gonna last at least a year. Will you need a booster? We don't really know. I mean, the vaccine has now only been given, you know, for a few months um, and studied for maybe six months, a little bit longer than that. So it's gonna take some time to follow antibody titers in people and see, um, you know, if we need a booster, when that will be, how long it lasts. Um, but this is what I usually tell people is that we will know before you get to that point of needing a booster because there's six months of people ahead of you where it's been studied. So I anticipate at some point there will be boosters. There's some vaccines where you need a booster every three years, every five years. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. And I'm going to switch gears a little bit now to just mental health and kids and kids going back to school. What are some of the things that are things we can look out for for parents? I know that with all of our babies being at home for the last year, transitioning to an environment where you have somebody other than your parent teaching you in person and a bunch of children you've never met before who are, you know, strangers. Is there anything you recommend that we can do or are markers we can look out for to make sure that our kids' mental health is thriving? So, you know, mental health has been a huge issue this past year, not only for the kids, but for the parents too, right? For the moms. I mean, everybody, we've seen so many more cases of, you know, anxiety, depression, um, loneliness, um, you know, uh, screen time addiction, um, you know, everything. Um, and it's unfortunately because everybody's been home and they haven't been able to go anywhere and the kids haven't been in school. And that said, some kids are thriving. I actually have some patients who don't have as much anxiety because they don't have to be in school every day, you know, seeing their peers. So it's sort of a mixed bag, but overall mental health has been a big issue. So I think, you know, as a parent looking at your kids, if there are things that are concerning you, if your child isn't interested in activities they were interested in before, if they're crying more, if they're withdrawn in their room, if they, you know, really aren't interacting with their friends, even if that's online or, or with games, if you see them just hanging out alone and you're like, what happened to all your online friends? You know, where did they go? Um, anything that concerns you, you know, talk to your pediatrician. That's what we're here for. And I have matched many more families up with therapists and therapy groups this year. Um, and even as kids go back to school, it's not not simply going to be like flipping a switch, right? Like you're back in school, everything's perfect. There is going to be a long re-entry phase that these kids are going to have to go through, right? In terms of, you know, 
making friends again, seeing peers they haven't in a while, learning how to interact. I mean, this is going to be a long process. It's going to take another year. And, um, and so make sure that you're not waiting. If you have any concerns about your family at all, please reach out, get help. There's so many, um, there's so many people out there that are, you know, willing to help and we're, we're all in this together. Amazing. So let's talk about the mental load for moms. You and I are both moms. We're both, you know, founders of companies. Um, what has been the most challenging thing for you? And do you have any mom tips for any of us that during this time, it's a good way to help us just manage the different emotions of, and all the different hats we're currently wearing? Yeah, you know, it, it has been hard. Um, you know, I think um, I get to leave the house every day and go to work, which is something that a lot of moms don't get to do. Um, and so that's been very helpful to me. But then also when I get home, my kids you know, need me even more. Um, and so, you know, what I, what I try to do and get in that mindset, which isn't always easy, right, is that, you know, this is time that we're never going to get back. Like those nights where my six-year-old wants to play a board game with me and I'm just like, oh my God, I want to watch a show or go on the Peloton. It's like, he's going to grow up and I'm not going to get this time back. And I know that the more time I can spend with my kids and talk to them and go on hikes with them during COVID is really going to help them grow and thrive. And so I've been trying to do that. I think we've been spending a lot more family time together than ever over this last year but there's also days where i'm like i need a break you know <laughs> okay you know my teenagers to have to play with the younger one or i say to my husband like i gotta go for a walk and um by the way my husband is the one who's been working from home at home with the kids so i think i do have it easier than he does this year um but i think it's all about that balance you know and um i'm looking forward to when i can take a girl's trip i don't know when that will be but i started a few months ago i started posting on instagram that i was going to take a vacation every day a 10 minute vacation and it might be me sitting in my backyard it might be me you know going for a run taking a bath having a glass of wine reading a book and that was my vacation and I just got in that mindset and afterwards I felt great and I think that there are little ways that you can take vacations every day too because you do need breaks and you can set your kids up with something safe to do you don't have to be there every moment they're going to be okay and if you don't take care of yourself you can't take care of them so I think a parent's mental health is really important Great advice. I love that. I'm going to be incorporating maybe 15 minute vacations a day. <laughs> um, so I know that you have written five books. I want to know what is there anything next on the horizon for you? Are you working on anything at the moment or anything you want to share with us? You know, I, um, I, I'm not working on another book right now. I keep getting asked that. And this year, I have been spending every free moment um, doing school health consulting and working on testing programs for kids in school. Um, I mean, all volunteer. I spend hours a week um, working with testing companies to get school testing set up, pool testing set up. So I really have not had time. I have been focused a little more on social media, though. I've been doing daily COVID videos and answering questions on my Instagram. Um, so if anyone wants to follow me at Dr. Tanya Altman. Um, but I have some ideas for, for books that, I, that I'd want to write in the future. It's just a matter of sort of sitting down and doing it. Um, and some days I just think, you know what, I just need a vacation. <laughs> I just want to go somewhere and stop working. Um, because even though my kids needed me more this year, so did all my patients and families. And my practice has exploded because this year, more than ever, 
people started realizing the importance of healthcare and that they might want to leave the insurance-based system and go to a more personalized approach where your doctor is there for you 24-7, where they can FaceTime with you, where they can get you that rapid COVID test you need. They can get you in to see that specialist. And so I've really been working on expanding my practice because taking care of kids and families, health is really, you know, what, what I'm here for and what I've always done and what I enjoy. We are so grateful for you and thank you. I know how busy your time is, so I'm grateful that you got to break away today and share so much useful information with us. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Dr. Tanya. Thank you for having me on, Ryan. And I hope to see you again soon in person, hopefully next time. Yes, sounds good. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you had some great aha moments. I am so passionate about empowering women and I can't thank you enough for your support. If you know an inspiring mama or you are an inspiring mama, send them our way. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday and please like, follow, and subscribe to The Educated Mama. Write a review, leave us a comment, share this podcast with your friends. I'm Ryan Jordan, founder and CEO of Educated Nannies. You got this, mama.